much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one -on -one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers, or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen, and then get riding. Hello, you're listening to Talk Time on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Huckamanum-speaking Musqueam people. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Madeline Taylor. So Talk Time is CITR's weekly spoken word check-in, and this is our very first week on the air. We have tons and tons of volunteers making all kinds of cool talk radio at the station, and this is a place to showcase some of that work. So this week, I have two different pieces to share with you. First up, we have a short selection of poetry read by a volunteer named David Usher. And second, we have an interview accompanied by excerpts from a panel discussion that myself and Femme Concept host Eleanor Waring attended last week, which was called Women Warriors of Kurdistan. So Eleanor is always very busy doing great work for CITR and Femme Concept. The show she hosts with Erica Dolman airs on Fridays from 1 to 2 p.m. They play 100% Femcon, so music mostly by self-identified women. But back to our first segment. So David Usher has been a volunteer with CITR for over a year. He's one of our most senior volunteers and wants to share some stories from his life through his passion for poetry. So his experience is rich and varied, exploring themes of familial love, self-exploration, patriarchy, and pain. He writes and selects the poems he'd like to share, and then we record them together, and I get to edit them for air. So this is the first uh, selection of David Usher's poetry here on Talk Time. David Usher, I am an 82-year-old retired MD whose present life is being a UBC student, audit, access, disabled, CITR, poetry, written and staged, essays, art, porno, singing, pottery, recently split up on my own, therefore, for the past six months. My CV, the BSc, McGill Biochemistry, uh, 1954. Uh, a Master's in Investigative Medicine, also at McGill, 1959. PhD at McGill in Neuroscience, 1966. MD, University of Ottawa, 1977. And with that, a professor at University of Ottawa in Pharmacology, uh, 1973 to 77. Uh, later, I did a BA at University of Northern BC in Women's Studies, 2001 until 2007, and then uh, medical practice as a solo GP on Hornby Island, 1978 to 98. 
introducing the first two poems. These two, the first by myself, the second by an old friend, Tony, are quite descriptive of myself. Tony is now a master Buddhist teacher in Bangkok. He is far more pragmatic and less romantic than myself. My Friend David by Tony McGregor. Um, this was originally done at uh, 2002. David, my brown-eyed friend, with a child's wonder and energy, flaming at life, listening to a beat no one else can hear. You remind me of my mad Welsh grandmother, or Saint David, patron saint of the mad Welsh, a star shining for a chosen few. Did he make pilgrimage like you to the ankles of beautiful women and wonder why his voices were not heard? Wounded and healed so many times, your scars show the reality of life in death. Do you remember when I found you wandering in the middle of the road? It was the safest place, you said, near the meridian. Perhaps so. Then why do you journey to the edge of night, beyond the range of campfires in sacred forests and ancient groves? Next two poems are both birthday poems sent to my granddaughters in Stockholm. Tira, at two, already an artist, now she is 11. Ella, now 13, she was born on May Day. That is where Putin comes in. She is becoming a top dressage person. Oh, I must not forget about the next poem. My son Eric, father of Tira and Ella. Tira, how to? Do, yes, do, little one. Fingers curl. Do, yes, do. Anything a child of two can do. Well, Tira, see, you are two. What can you do at two? Go and run, Tira, me love. Run a step, front and back. Sida, Tira, Tira, Tira. Two steps, three and four. Show us how you do. Tira at two. Tira at two. Thirteen. A birthday poem for my elder granddaughter, Ella. It had to happen just when Putin, etc., are going through difficulties. But that's not you, Ella. I won't be in Europe for a while, and by a couple of years from now, you will be competing somewhere against dressage people from the world over. Have fun, Grandpa. Hi, Eric. I'll only be discussing in a semi-poetic fashion some of the rituals concerned with places where you had contact, however brief. 
why they are. Ridiculous but true, they are the call letters for Vancouver Airport. But some years ago, they, who were they, I forget, it was renamed. Often, travelers, especially from Texas, became confused. In any case, it is already a rather bizarre history. Example, a Polish citizen speaking neither of our two official languages ended up quite dead after over-enthusiastic tasering by four young police. Mount Pleasant, my abode. For a quite tiny segment of the city, it is galvanizing in a variety of respects. Though murder is infrequent, drug rituals are ongoing. From my patio, the view is almost pagan. Commercial Drive. Vampires everywhere, usually invisible. The next two poems are Two Hours and Domineer. Two Hours. It's a documentary relating, relates to my lifelong masochism, one portion of myself. This poem is the actual letter given to me. Domineer. I wrote this just a couple of days ago. Um, the two hours was 1996. Domineer on the same theme, yet a brief look at worldwide history of patriarchy now being slowly replaced by its opposite to the satisfaction of this writer. Two hours. Two, with Dr. O'Shaughnessy, head psychiatrist, UBC. He questions quietly, or maybe I am going deaf. He finally concludes, You are never going to change, you know. You have been a masochist for 60 years, always will be, so, so, so. You can learn to ease off, get friends who aren't streetwalkers, and find them somewhere, live elsewhere, take fewer risks. Nothing illegal in what you did, but it is unwise, definitely. Above all, do the right thing, or at least try to. Goodbye now. He is a realist, thank God. Domineer. To rule in a harsh and arrogant manner, to tyrannize, bully. Webster's New World Dictionary. Is that what you desire? To have someone domineering you? Don't lie. Sometime, yes. Not all the time. Aha! You mean when you choose to be. It could be the other person choosing. Oh. So that was David Usher, one of CITR's most senior spoken word volunteers, reading selections of his poetry. So the poems we heard today were My Friend David by Tony McGregor, Tira at Two, Thirteen, a birthday poem for Ella, Eric, Two Hours, and Domineer. So up next, 
we're going to have something pretty different. Um, last Sunday, so September 13th, Simon Fraser University's Institute for the Humanities hosted a panel discussion about the power of female fighters in Kurdistan from both the Canadian and Kurdish perspective. So female fighters in Kurdistan are called YPJ, which is a branch of the leftist People's Protection Unit Militia. This group is quite controversial, but they have been one of the most effective units actively fighting ISIS on the ground in the Middle East, at least for the last couple of years. So the presentation was centered around the story of the Kurdish people and a photo and video presentation by Hannah Bowman. Hannah Bowman is actually a Vancouverite who volunteered and fought for the YPJ militia this year. On her own behalf, she found out about them through, I think, a website and then a Facebook group got in touch and was essentially smuggled into Syria to go voluntarily fight ISIS with the Kurds. Uh, in this piece, you will hear excerpts from the panel discussion. Hannah Bowman and Nisi Khoi, a Kurdish activist, discuss exper Hannah's experiences in Rojava and the way women are treated in the militia. So following this short interview, there is, sorry, following the excerpts, there is an interview by Eleanor Waring with Nisi Khoi. <laughs> territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. In my Kurdish community, many of us um, have been fortunate to take refuge here after our ho homelands were occupied and systematically destroyed by oppressive nations, as you've heard. We had to escape because our lives were in danger. So I thank the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations for allowing us to take refuge here. Thank you. So, as many, uh, as Tella described and as uh, Shuan described, Kurdistan is divided into four different countries. Uh, I just wanted to show you a visual representation of it. We don't refer to the, for instance, the, yeah, for instance, the Turkish part. We don't refer to it as Turkish Kurdistan because that land never belonged to them. This is Northern Kurdistan, and in Kurdish we call it Bakur. And Iran, we don't refer to Iranian Kurdistan, we refer to Eastern Kurdistan, and in Kurdish, that's Rojalat. And Southern Kurdistan, where I'm from, we don't refer to it as Iraqi Kurdistan, we refer it to Southern Kurdistan or South Kurdistan or Bashur. And Western Kurdistan is occupied, Syria, uh, occupied by Syria, so that's what we refer to it, Rojava. So we'll be referring to that as Rojava for today. So today's discussion will be focused on Western Kurdistan, Rojava, which is currently occupied by Syria. The YPJ, the Women's Protection Unit, formed in 2012 to defend Kurdish population against the deadly attacks led by the Syrian President Bashar al-Assad and the Al-Nusra Front, which is an Al-Qaeda-affiliated organization, and now ISIS. The women of Rojava, the YPJ, have become a symbol of the Kurdish movement, but Kurdistan has always had women warriors. I'd like to introduce you to a couple of them, even though the numbers are in thousands. 
So women in history, or her story, as I like to call it, and others do as well. Um, in the 19th century, a period in history where women were not accepted into the political arena, Leila Qasim, uh, she's the one in the black and white photo, um, played an active role. Her spirit and heroism had become a symbol of the Kurdish resistance. This threatened the Iraqi regime. Consequently, she was imprisoned in 1974. She was tortured, and after a lengthy show trial, she was pub publicly hung. Right before she died, she screamed, kill me. But you must also know that after my death, thousands of Kurds will wake up from their deep sleep. I am happy that I will die with pride and for an independent Kurdistan. Leila Zana, the lady with her peace signs up, um, is from North Kurdistan. In 1991, she became the first Kurdish woman elected into Turkish parliament. Leila stood up in parliament and she took her oath in Kurdish. At this point, the Kurdish language did not exist. It was illegal to be spoken in Turkey. The people in parliament were infuriated and she, was, she ended up being charged for treason and she spent 10 years of her life in prison, in a Turkish prison. She stood up and said in Kurdish, I take this oath for the brotherhood between the Turkish people and the Kurdish people. Leila Zana since then has been nominated for two Nobel, uh, Nobel Peace Prizes. So this is me when I was about two years old with my mother. <laughs> so every single Kurdish person has a story. I was born in South Kurdistan, which is occupied by Iraq. My father was a Peshmerga. When the Iraq and Iran war was over in 1988, Saddam Hussein had turned his attention towards the Kurds. He implemented to solve the Kurdish problem by acts of genocide. There was a mass exodus and we fled to East Kurdistan, which is now occupied by Iran. After two years, many returned, but my family could not because my father was a high-ranking Peshmerga and he wasn't allowed to return. So instead, we took a journey all the way to Greece, uh, as many people are doing today, and we seek refuge in Greece. But when we got there, the Greek government did not know what to do with the influx of refugees, so my family and I were taken to a prison, Cordalo Prison. There, my mother was also put in prison. I was about three years old, so I was just old enough to be taken to a church orphanage. I spent about four months there, and I wasn't allowed to go. I visited my mom one time, and I cried so much that I annoyed the prison guards that they didn't let me go back and visit her within those four months. My baby sister was an infant, so she was in prison with my mom. Uh, she was breastfeeding at the time, and my mom, was pregnant at the time as well. So she had an infant with her, she was separated from her daughter, and she ended up having to give birth while she was in jail in Greece. Unfortunately, these stories, they're disheartening, but they're not exclusive to me. Every single person, every single Kurdish person has a story fairly similar to this. Doesn't matter which part of Kurdistan we're from, we have something very similar. Kurds have been silenced for a century now. Others love to tell our stories for us. We have a, but now we have a few allies that rec recognize our plight for freedom and peace. Hannah is one of those allies. This is what I respect most about her. She doesn't talk on behalf of the Kurds, she talks with the Kurds. She shares her own story, but within that story, she has given gateway for the countless um, 
stories within that. So today we're gonna look through some of the videos and photos that she took with her while she was in Rojava. So Hannah, can you please tell us a little bit about why you decided to go fight with the Kurds? It was in May last year when a friend of mine first showed me a video of ISIS. Uh, they were killing people, cutting off heads and stuff like that. At first I was like, who are these weirdos? I didn't know anything about them. Um, I heard they were, shortly after that I heard they were spreading through Iraq and into Syria. Uh, over the months I started to watch more footage on the internet, doing more research, and I was getting kind of incensed that our governments were doing nothing to stop this. This was probably created by the West, who were not contributing anything to stop it. And as I started to do more research, I started to learn about Kurds. And I started to really like what they were all about. I started to learn about the YPJ and the ideology of Abdullah Ocalan. Um, shortly after that, I heard about Jordan Madsen, the first American who volunteered to fight with the Kurds. So I researched him and I found he had started a Facebook page where you could contact and they would give you information on how to join the Kurds in fighting ISIS. And that's what I did. I was hooked up with a YPJ uh, person who gave me the information I needed to get there. And when I made the decision to go, I can sometimes be a little frivolous, so I waited two months before I actually bought tickets in case I changed my mind. But two months later, I still wanted to go. I was actually frustrated I wasn't there already. So then I bought tickets and I went to Iraq. I'm here with uh, one of the speakers from the Women Warriors of Kurdistan at the SFU Harbor Center. Would you please introduce yourself? Yes, um, very nice to be sitting with you and talking. My name is Nisi Koi. Um, I am a Kurdish member of the Vancouver community. I've lived here for about 20 years. Um, I was also living in Greece before that as a refugee. And before that, I'm originally from South Kurdistan, which is occupied by Iraq. Well, thank you for joining me today. Um, we just, you just participated in a really fascinating discussion about the Kurdish warriors that are fighting in the area of Rojava, correct? Yes. So um, I've done a little bit of research um, in my time at school on the um, conflict that these Kurdish warriors are taking part in. and the role in the battle against the group that is referred to as ISIS. And one of the things that um, I was really surprised to see was kind of minimal coverage in the mainstream media um, about this conflict. And then in some smaller media sources, they would report the conflict as serious forgotten war or something to that effect. And I'm wondering why it is that you think that this is the case. Um, as a Kurd, we are very used to the media not covering what is happening in the Middle East, in Kurdistan. It took about 10 years for anybody to even touch on the fact that there was chemical attacks with, um, under Saddam Hussein's regime, and it only became public knowledge and media knowledge when America wanted to invade Iraq. Mm -hmm. So all, everything is happening in the Middle East, but it will only get reported on when it is convenient or when there's an agenda behind what they want to do with the politics over there. Totally, yeah. And so that leads into my next question, which is that in a lot of the coverage that I did find, people would choose to obsess over or sensationalize the fact that there were women fighting. Um, for example, you know, they would comment on the most beautiful fighters or make explicitly sexual or culturally stereotypical like comments or use that language about these conflicts 
instead of talking about the actual politics behind the conflicts themselves. Um, and what I'm just wondering, as someone who is Kurdish, what, how do you feel about this representation? It is a very degrading representation. Um, I've seen images of women, the cartoons of women with their kids on their back, and then they're in their YPJ uniform as if every one of these women is a mother, mm-hmm. or the centralization aspect of it. And it's just, we have this distorted image that women fighters are also, and it's because of the movies that we watch, right? Totally. Every single movie that we watch, the women warriors in those movies are centralized. Yeah. So when they- All right, we are out of time for today, but thanks for tuning in to Talk Time. We'll be back on air next Thursday at 7.30, and stay tuned to CITR 101.9.